0: Hello and welcome to Warehouse 69, the only Warehouse 13 Watch podcast that you are listening to right now. I'm the internet's beloved Princess Grace, and with me as always is my co-host, Timmy. Hey, Timmy, how you doing?
1: Pretty good. How are you doing today, Grace?
0: Oh, can't complain, especially since we get to discuss Season 1, Episode 5, Elements.
1: Right. Yeah, this is the first one after we've met Claudia. We just got done saving Claudia and her brother.
2: hmm Oh see
0: this Native American guy doing a thing, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we've got uh I believe it does like a title card that says something about four hundred years in the past, uh, in Man Manhattan, I believe. But they uh it features an indigenous person doing uh a big like chant thing. And they captioned it. I don't remember what it said. It was something not particularly important. sounded mystical. Mm. Then they do a, uh, like, whooshing camera transition to show that they're jumping to present-day New York City.
0: And then they put a title card up anyways.
1: Right. But they also... Like, the whooshing effect is, like, five frames per second, so it's more of a stuttering sort of whoosh. I'm not really sure what happened there.
0: Did you notice that this episode has a lot of... They really blew the special effects budget on this one. Like, they they went all out. Right. (laughs) But did you notice it goes from, like, the background music goes from, you know, fire crackling and mystic whatevers to, like, you know, Record scratching in the cheapest hip hop music they could license. I
2: didn't,
1: re- I didn't notice that when I was watching, but I, uh, I totally believe it. It sounds about right.
0: Like there's a lot of, a lot of record scratching, and that's that's reasonable. Because I right. guess that's what it sounds like in New York all the time. Because it, it continues. Because like there's a pretty long scene in New York, like it continues through like, you know us seeing the guy sneaking around in the auction house. Right. Like, the entire first chunk of the scene that's in New York has this hip-hop backdrop for some reason. It's very strange.
1: I mean, I've always been a big fan of the texture that uh, record scratches can uh, contribute. Mm -hmm. So I can't complain.
2: Yeah.
0: Like, it made sense, like, having the record scratch with the whoosh. Yeah. But it keeps going. It's, It's like they forgot to turn to switch the background music into something more appropriate.
2: And so uh is
1: that the point where we see this uh art heist or is that not yet?
0: I believe so. The next thing on my notes is already yelling, but that doesn't mean we didn't see the uh, the heist. Okay, yeah. Then. So we probably did.
1: I- yeah, we see someone in some sort of uh buckskin sort of type of robe. Uh steal an art piece by just jumping through a wall like through a very solid physical wall as if he uh, is not physically there and then uh, we get back to the warehouse where uh, Claudia is yelling at Joshua for not uh, not finding a job
0: yeah yeah this guy who just kind of zapped back into our dimension a few days ago was it right. Like, he even
1: mentions like, what like, I what am I supposed to say about the uh the giant gap in my uh employment history? <laughs> Which is how you can tell it was a different economic time because I don't feel like anyone would bat an eye at someone his age having big gaps in their uh employment history these days.
0: Yeah, it was yeah, it was 2009.
1: Right. Yeah, we were riding high at the time. We were on the brink of uh, economic collapse, so everything was great.
0: <laughs> ah, the boom years. When a young oh, yeah. when a young fancily dressed lad had the stars in his eyes, could do all sorts of things. Like get trapped in a space rip for over a de- a decade or so.
1: Yeah, he was uh, trapped for about as close to 10 years as we can get with the amount of dating information we have. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's one of those things about this show that uh, they frequently try to imply that there's a lot of stuff that goes on between episodes. Mm -hmm. Like, that was why the first couple sort of opened with them having already snagged a different uh, artifact. And I think that's just sort of to explain everyone gaining experience exceptionally fast. Yeah. Because I don't think they're ever intentionally like advancing the timeline, but I think each season takes about a year of in-world time whenever it happens. Makes sense. So we we learn about this uh art that was stolen and that the artist was a fellow by the name of Walter Burley. Which, as far as I can work out, isn't a real person. Oh yeah, and uh, when Artie Artie's yelling at Claudia because uh, because Claudia's yelling at her brother Joshua,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and Artie is expecting a report on how she broke into the warehouse's security.
0: He wants to see every redirect and every backslash.
1: <laughs> I knew you'd have that noted.
0: Oh, I, <laughs> I wrote absolutely. that down too. <laughs> <sighs> like redirect kind of makes sense even though that's like every backslash uh, it's it's a good line it doesn't really make a lot of sense it's a good right. line so the next thing I have in my notes is uh, what Artie was last wrong in June 1987 like he was wrong about Joshua he was wrong about Claudia right. he's been wrong um... about like tons of stuff
1: Yeah, he claims that he was last wrong in 1987 and I meant to start looking that up Uh, I don't I'm sure that refers to a specific in-world event but I'm not sure I'm guessing I know where it comes from and it probably was a pretty big uh, a pretty big mistake that he made but that's an episode for another day
0: Tantalizing. Now I'm just looking at I'm just looking at things that happened in June 1987 and was it the Mariners drafting Ken Griffey Jr? I mean,
1: I wouldn't call that a mistake. Yeah. Uh in fact, that was probably one of the best moves they ever made. Yeah. Although <laughs> uh for anyone who's watched enough uh John Boy's videos, they know that the Mariners, you know, even when they're doing well, they don't really do all that well. <laughs>
0: Ah, they're protagonists. Maybe Yeah. Maybe Artie is talking about uh Margaret Thatcher getting reelected.
1: I mean, if Artie had a hand in that, that definitely was uh, a pretty major error on his part.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay, so yeah. Uh they're being informed that they have to go to the big apple to uh to go find this art thief. Ah,
0: New York, the greatest city in the world.
1: Right. And they, uh, Pete really wants to go see a show while he's out there. (laughs) And Artie will not buy him tickets to go see a show. And Pete. You can
0: buy your own tickets.
1: Right. Pete mumbles that Off Broadway's not that expensive.
0: (laughs) I don't know what they're paying you at the warehouse, Pete, but I'm sure. Can. If you want to go to a show that bad, I bet you can afford it.
1: Yeah, I Especially I would imagine he, he's paid pretty well.
0: Yeah, and the like, warehouse covers his room and board. Like,
1: Yeah, and it was a promotion from the secret servicing he was doing before, mm-hmm. so I assume he makes a fair amount of money since for whatever reason cops make way more money than you would ever expect
0: yeah I don't know if he gets to pull the same like overtime bullshit that you know regular city cops do
1: the nonsense where they end up claiming that they uh
2: worked more hours of overtime than there are in a year (sighs) fucking cops like uh I was just seeing an article that some uh,
1: Pittsburgh police officer that's under investigation for uh, something he did is the ninth highest paid person in uh, the Pittsburgh government.
0: Jeezy Pete.
1: Yeah, he makes $150,000 a year, and that makes him the ninth highest paid over all of the city engineers and blah, blah, blah.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah and he's not the only cop on that list another one who uh, got put on administrative leave for saying horrible racist things on Facebook was making $190,000 a year
0: Jesus (laughs) that's the thing right when people say like defund the police you know
2: really it it
0: just kind of means like the first step there is reducing the amount of ridiculous overtime they claim they work right
1: yeah yeah we uh we have to rein in the way we view police funding because we just give them toys to use against uh citizens and pay them a boatload of money to do it the whole time
0: yeah he, all right, here's your military surplus whatever right and but remember, of course if that... you use it at the, if you use it at the end of your shift, you can get overtime you can get overtime you know while you you book whatever person you made up a reason to arrest and you get overtime when you get called into court
1: but of course that's the uh system working as intended they don't want to they don't want police to have any sense of class solidarity oh of course like not. that would be a a major mistake
0: well, of course that's why they have their fake unions
1: and i mean that's one of those things back when uh organized labor was stronger it was uh it was a big thing that the police frequently would not mess with the uh organizers mm-hmm. but you can't expect that these days i mean that's the big reason they were hiring these private detective agencies yeah. you know
0: yeah, they had to hire because the, the local
1: police is lo- were like eh these are these are people in our community and you're really not
2: <laughs> mm.
1: but you know i think I think the force has erased any sort of class solidarity at this point by making sure that they don't uh feel like they're on even footing with anyone in their community. Of
0: course. Plus, you know, yeah, like every cop has that sort of hero cop mindset of I got to I got to protect the people and I got to do that by being as racist as I can.
1: Right. Yeah, and, and that's specifically how they're trained to behave. Like, it's not an accident that this happens. It's by design.
0: No, no. Th- yeah, like, this is, you know, when you sign up to be a cop, you get a bunch of firearms training, basically, like, no, you know, non violence training. And then you get shoved next, and then you get buddied up with some, you know, shithead cop who's been doing this for 20 years.
1: Right. Most of the training they receive is. In where the legal boundaries are so that they can use the maximum amount of force. Yep. And that's not me saying that. That's directly from a cop who quit. (laughs) Yep. But to get back to the fun, not mean cops of the television that we all like to uh, indulge ourselves with.
0: When we last left our heroes, Pete was still being horny and... Micah actually manages to zing him for it.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, Micah tells him that uh, this art gallery uh, employee is way out of his league. And Pete claims that uh, she doesn't even know what his league is, which Micah had a great zinger that she was setting him up for there, where she uh, said that, she unfortunately has season tickets, oh, that's a good bit, but like, yeah, there Pete's hitting on this robbery victim really aggressively, yeah, like, and,
0: Micah immediately picks up on it, and she like pounces on it. She does not let him forget
1: right, but like if you were. A victim of a robbery, and the cop showed up and just, like, couldn't stop hitting on you. Like, that's the worst day on the job ever.
0: Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Like, he keeps looking at your ass. He's, like, talking with his partner about how hot you are.
1: Right. Please just act normal.
0: Yeah, like, she has to be here for work. Like, can you (laughs) fucking knock it off, Pete?
1: Right. Like, Especially when you don't have any sort of idea that there's anything paranormal going on. Like, these are just the Secret Service showed up for some art theft. You don't really know why, but you know that the Secret Service won't stop hitting on you.
0: Yeah. And also, Micah is very insistent that Pete and Auction House Lady go off together.
1: Right. Yeah, she's simultaneously giving him shit and encouraging him.
0: Yeah. Like, I guess it's. I guess her plan is like. I can't get anything done with Pete here, so I should foist him off on this lady. But that's. Hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, it
1: seems, uh. It seems like you could come up with a better plan than that.
0: Yeah. Especially since, like. Yeah, we give Pete shit. He's not, like, bad at his job. I don't think he would, like, ruin anything. He's not. He's not going to break anything.
1: I mean, he will. Touch whatever you put in front of him.
0: Oh yeah. And in fact we see more of this later. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> yeah, so uh Yeah, they Pete goes to meet with or no. Uh or yeah, it's Pete that goes to meet with this guy who's clearly a Donald Trump stand-in. Yeah. Uh Gilbert Radburn. Mm-hmm and uh
0: so they, they do name drop they do name drop donald trump later
1: so right so clearly strange. he's not meant to be exactly the same yeah. person but he pete mentions that he saw his name on a building and he's like yeah i built that like it's mm-hmm. it's very much supposed to be a stand-in for trump because that's the type of person like
0: it's yeah, he- He's an e- he's an evil rich landscape develop land developer.
1: Yeah, I mean it's the archetype that you use for, you know, an evil rich guy. Yeah. If you want to present him that way, you get there very
2: quickly by painting him like Donald Trump. Yeah. So <laughs> that was back in two thousand
0: nine.
1: Right, and then Micah calls him and tells him to come back because she found something looking real artifacty, and it's the old feather in the wall trick.
0: She specifically says, "I smell fudge." Right. Which is a it's a reference.
2: We so uh
0: see, we also see a Pete getting into a staring match with a guy holding some ground penetrating radar.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, pretty cool, I guess. A pretty cool job, honestly. Yeah. Go see what's in the ground.
0: Yeah, you know. Haven't you ever wondered what the ground is hiding from you?
1: Did you see that thread about the, uh, the underwater, or the underground, like, lake cavern thing? That, uh, they unearthed in, like, the Ukraine?
2: No.
0: It was,
1: it was during, uh, the Soviet era and they just dug a hole and found this underwater lake that was entirely sealed off like the water was coming from even deeper underground and there was no interaction with the surface and there were a bunch of weird like water scorpions and stuff down there
2: what what the like fun?
1: they found uh upwards of 30 species that don't exist anywhere else in the known world. Wow.
0: Just, you now hanging out.
1: Right, yeah. Just, like, in a cavern underground. I have this deep fascination and, like, I have a sort of fearful respect of caves.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, it's kind of fucked up that you can just dig a big hole.
0: And sometimes you don't even have to. Sometimes the hole's already there.
1: Right. And it's-, it's unbelievable. Imagine there could be a hole underneath you right now. Like
0: they're sneaky. They could. You wouldn't even know.
1: Everywhere, half of Detroit. There's a gigantic hole underneath.
0: You go to Seattle. They'll give you tours of the fucking holes.
1: Cincinnati has a subway system that never did any service. So it's just a series of tunnels that don't go anywhere.
0: A ton All of Chicago's domesticated hole.
1: All of the Chicago downtown, a lot of the buildings were built before they had electricity to the buildings. So at the time, uh, heating and power were coal-fired and like on-site. So there was a company that just ran a little train through these tunnels shoveling coal into buildings and pulling coal ash out. So there's like a basement to all of these old buildings in Chicago that just connects to this system of tunnels that runs under the entire city.
0: Holy shit.
1: Red. And at one point they smashed a barge into uh, one of the like walls of the river bank and it smashed into the tunnels and every <laughs> every uh, Basement in all of Chicago, flooded all at once.
0: Jeezy Pete. (laughs) Like,
1: they accidentally let the river into the underground, uh, underground coal delivery system after it had long been forgotten about. So no one had any idea why, but suddenly their buildings were filling full of water.
0: Fuck. It's really good.
1: It's so cool. Caves should not be allowed. Like. (laughs)
2: i uh
0: you know i used to live in south dakota and so one time you know whenever someone comes to visit you got to see the sights and one time we went to the i think it's called mammoth cave uh, national monument national park or whatever and it's like it's just this big fucking cave system you can go down and it's and the tour has this part where like you're there they turn the lights off and it's pitch black Okay. It's extremely cool, but it's also extremely scary. <laughs> I cannot imagine, like... Because there are people who, like, they have not explored all of this cave yet. Like, right. you know, there are people who, like, you can sign up and, like, take a course or whatever and, like,
2: you know,
0: fuck around in this gigantic cave system. And if you, like, discover a new part of it, they will let you name it.
2: Oh, Nice. Yeah, I. Uh,
0: that sounds rad, but it's also like, okay, but like if you get stuck, it's pitch black, and you know if there's no one around to help, like, what are you gonna fucking do?
1: Yeah, I've been to uh one that was like in Kentucky or something, a pretty big cave. You go out on a little boat tour, and it's there's a point where you have to duck because the ceiling is like steadily just barely over. Uh, your boat.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I'm not as concerned about caves, like, personally. I'm concerned with them conceptually. Mm. Like, they freak me out as a concept, but as a concrete object, they're fine.
0: Yeah, yeah I can, <laughs> you're not so bad, cave.
1: Right. Yeah, I I can trust a cave as long as I've got my eye on it. But I don't trust a cave I have to turn my back on.
0: Yeah, makes sense. By the way, it was Wind Cave I was thinking of.
1: Okay, yeah, I was going to say, I think Mammoth Cave was the one that I've been to.
0: Yeah, it was Wind Cave, and according to the tour guide, the cave was so great, it made Theodore Roosevelt stop mourning his wife, run for president, and establish the national park system.
1: There we go you ever
0: see a cave so good it makes you want to run for president hi i mean i have not because i don't trust a cave like i visited this cave and it didn't make me want to run for president
1: right there's also a uh a big salt mine in louisiana that they had a horrible engineering disaster uh happen at there's a very good episode of the well there's your problem podcast about it It's The long and short of it was uh, some oil miners decided to poke some holes in the ground uh, on top of this little uh, lake that was like 10 feet deep without asking, hey, uh, are there any gigantic salt mines right underneath us? And so they accidentally poked a hole into the salt mine and dumped all of the water in. And the lake floor was at a lower level than the Gulf of Mexico, so once they poked this hole, it became a very large hole, and then the uh, Gulf of Mexico flowed into it. Uh, Louisiana was temporarily the site of America's largest uh, waterfall, falling a hundred feet down into a cave.
0: Oh my god.
1: but only because the canal is running backwards
0: welcome to warehouse 69 the only warehouse 13 watch podcast that occasionally segues into horrible engineering disasters
1: right yeah I can't I can't say higher praise for the uh for the well there's your problem podcast they're excellent
0: not sponsored
1: right yeah shout outs to them they didn't pay me to say this <laughs>
0: If you guys ever want to cross-promote, you know where to find us. We're right. in the internet.
1: Oh, we have an email now. Oh, red. Yeah, warehouse69 at tuta.io. T-U-T-A dot I-O. Fancy. It, anyone want to contact us? Uh, just go ahead and drop us a line at our
2: email. Hell yeah. I Anyways. knew there was something I needed to announce. Hell yeah
0: should probably bring that up again at the end but any in- right in the meantime we are back at the auction house looking at a feather stuck in a wall
1: right the oldest trick in the book really mm-hmm. it was an art stealing bo- bird who walks through walls according to pete
0: i mean i've got at least one persona who fits that description so it's not that uh- unlikely
1: I was so certain. I couldn't remember the name of that persona, but I'm like, oh yeah, this is definitely a grace.
0: Her name's Birdcall, she's a phone-freaking oh, yeah. crow, and doesn't necessarily walk through walls, but you know. Could definitely, but like, wedge a feather on a wall as a calling card.
2: <laughs> so, uh, Peep
1: has to touch it, and discovers that he can shove his arm up to the elbow into things as long as he's holding the feather.
0: Yep, through the wall. Makes a very topical Rocky and Bowwinkle reference. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, don't get me wrong, I fucking love Rocky and Bowwinkle. I did not expect it from this show for some reason.
1: Right. Yeah, Pete loves his pop culture references, and I'm not surprised at all. That's just Pete.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Which I'm as I read more and more about uh the way this show works, I'm realizing that the writers really wrote to what the actors were. hmm Like Pete's alcoholism is because uh Eddie McClintock uh also has been sober for ten years. Mm. Like, uh already plays the piano in those early episodes because he really, like, uh, Paul uh, Rubinick mm-hmm. uh, I think it's, is it plays Saul? Plays the piano. Oh, yeah, it's Saul Rubinick. Yep. Uh, yeah, so they just sort of, like, asked the actors about things that are important to them and then, like, wrote them into the characters. Makes sense. Which, some of the time works really well, but I think sometimes they just wanted to do it to do it, and it didn't really work in the story. Yeah. Which it's weird to see. You would think, okay, this is a minor character trait, we'll bring it up whenever it's relevant, but not not more often than we need to, like Pete's alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll see uh, going forward, there's some really interesting uh, paths they go with that one.
0: Yeah, like, Like, it it made a lot of sense when it was, like, Pete going to the AA meeting.
1: Yeah, and it advanced the story, too. Mm -hmm. But then there's a Freaky Friday episode. Of course. Where he swaps bodies with Micah, but Micah has been drinking. So Pete's now drunk because he's inhabiting the body of someone who weighs easily 100 pounds less than him and has had, like, four or five drinks. Oof. (laughs) yeah yeah so it's uh it's pretty fucked up that his sobriety was interrupted by an accidental body swap
0: Uh, it's uh it's an occupational hazard in this line of work
1: (laughs) right so yeah uh they call up Artie and they're trying to find out about the uh the art stealing bird or the you know more likely uh idea that it's a feather that someone was carrying
0: i mean like real talk if this show was you know not limited by the constraints of being a live action series on sci-fi they'd probably have at least one anthropomorphic bird hanging around
1: right if it weren't so costly to get an anthropomorphic bird on they probably would have done it (laughs) like even as a red herring for this episode how great would that be they're they're going through The billionaire, the other billionaire, the anthropomorphic bird. You don't know which one it's going to be.
0: Like, I just want him to, like, make Artie explain, like, what's up with this fucking anthropomorphic bird. Right. (laughs) Oh, yeah, those have been real since 1962. I'll tell you the story later.
1: Right. On the Farnsworth with Artie, they're talking about the uh, guy that Pete talked to who. They say he he could outbid Donald Trump.
2: Mm-hmm. So there yeah, clearly
1: this Donald Trump stand-in also exists in a world where Donald Trump Trump yeah. exists. Uh, and then they already looks up who else could be after this art piece, and it's some guy who's the uh, the fail son of a guy who's described as an extortionist and a ravager of cultures. And they're like, oh, that sounds like he could be the guy. That's a whole lot of bad. Uh, I love punching in some guy's name in the computer and it tells me he's a ravager of cultures. Usually they use euphemisms. (laughs) Like,
0: Like, where are you reading this, already? Like, you're right. not reading the guy's Wikipedia page.
2: So, uh,
1: over at the warehouse, Lena and Claudia are having some pretty severe hostilities.
0: Is this the first... this? I think this is the first episode that almost passes the Bechdel test. This okay. episode gets really close, but then they start talking about Joshua pretty, pretty immediately.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think we get any good scenes in uh, Chicago with the daughter and the caretaker so yeah this is probably the closest they've come to uh passing the bechdel test
0: yeah i guess yeah i guess in chicago micah and chicago cop lady fbi lady briefly talk about the about the crime but not really
1: so, uh, yeah, it's kind of weird because, like, Lena is using her psychic powers to antagonize Claudia, like, more.
0: Wait, like, you know, wouldn't you, if you had psychic powers?
2: I mean... Yeah, I guess. But
1: Lena's already pretty convinced she's going to stick around. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's a scene where she's trying to convince Artie that uh, Claudia should just stay here Mm -hmm. and then uh Artie says yeah but I can't uh have her stay here and she's like oh I didn't suggest it you did (laughs) Mm. like she's trying to uh make it so that it's Artie's idea that Claudia stay there even though it's hers I think that's kind of a Lena move
0: yeah it sounds like her yeah she oh I'm just the the bed and breakfast employee who Uh helps you find what you already wanted to do and all that.
1: Right. Yeah, but she she really uh I think she's not necessarily like bad manipulative, but I think she is manipulative. Yeah. Like as a character.
0: Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, she knows how you're feeling. She's got that aura business going on, and she uses that to her advantage and she doesn't necessarily even make it a secret that's what she's doing.
1: Right. So Pete and Micah go talk to uh the son of this ravager of cultures. he's also rich although his apparent his apartment is certainly huge for New York City, but like it's bare there's nothing in there i don't know call it minimalism I guess, but he's got the he's got this art piece very prominently displayed this is and prob- Pete's like We got the guy.
0: (laughs) This is probably his uh, summer apartment. He spends his winters elsewhere.
1: Right. Yeah, uh, Pete immediately assumes that he's got the guy, but it turns out there were four of these sculptures, one for each element. Uh, Earth, wind, fire, and then Pete chimes in that it's, that's a great band.
0: Yeah. He starts singing one of their songs.
1: Right. And then the the rich dude points out that uh it's actually rock, wind, fire, and air uh, or something like that.
2: Well, water. Oh yeah. That's the that's the last element. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh but when
1: they say that the art had been stolen from a sealed vault uh he, it seems that our rich dude knows a little more than he's letting on and he's also very concerned that the his piece will be stolen immediately so he's like i'm going to move it i got it under control i got guys for that we we got it under control he's got a guy and then his guy shows up and his guy is the uh guy who was staring down Pete at the construction site.
0: Mr. Ground Penetrating Radar.
1: Right. And so they're, uh, everyone's pointing guns at everyone. And by that I mean Pete and Micah are pointing guns. (gasps) Because they're the cops. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh, our rich dude explains that uh, the guy works for both of them, but doesn't really go into too much detail beyond that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Other than saying he's okay, he's fine.
0: Like, uh, Pete is such a cop. Like, oh, oh yeah. a, a guy who's not white. Looked pretty right. funny.
1: <laughs> and then I saw him again. <laughs> Clearly, he's the criminal.
0: Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you.
1: Pete's saying that they're going to stay with the artifact or the uh art piece, and uh our rich dude doesn't particularly care for that plan, but Pete uh confers with Badgie, his badge, and says that uh Badgie says that they're staying with the artifact.
0: What the fuck, Pete?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Like It's not really cute when you're a fucking cop and you're holding a gun, Pete.
1: Right, he was literally holding the gun pointed at them while talking with his badge.
0: Like, yeah, like, you're... (sighs) Like, I'm not gonna apologize for this rich guy, but I would... You know, I'm already predisposed to not like cops, but I would maybe not be willing to trust Pete...
1: Right, he doesn't strike you as someone who you should be like, oh yeah, take it easy, he's going to help us out. Because he hasn't been helpful so far. No, he's pointed like, guns at you. you know, all That's he's all done is he's like, done.
0: All he's done is jump to conclusions, threaten you, pull his gun, and,
1: and... make silly jokes about talking to his badge.
0: Yeah, the silly joke that is like, I am a cop, and whose punchline right. is, I am a cop and you have to do what I say.
1: Right. I have pretty much infinite power in this situation. You better just sort of go with it. (laughs) So Artie is there's a uh, chess game there in the warehouse that Artie's been playing against himself for a while and uh, Lena mentions that Claudia glanced at it while she's like taking a nap at a desk in the other room. And Artie says that he's been playing that game and it's been weeks since he couldn't come up with a move for white. Three months. Okay, yeah. So he's been trying to find a move for the white side so that he could continue playing the game, but he just couldn't find one that didn't cause him to lose immediately. Mm -hmm. And when Claudia leaves the room where she was taking a nap, she makes a move. And announces that uh, white wins in seven.
0: (laughs) We were talking last time about like, oh, smart people play chess.
1: Right, yeah, she's clearly smart because she can play the chess well.
2: (laughs) That's how you know. Right, which it's kind of silly because it's not really a great measure
1: of intellect, like it's it's certainly a good measure of how much you've studied the game of chess.
0: Yeah, like, quote, intelligence and, quote, being smart are fake. Like, you can be good at things. And some of right. those things are, like, traditionally associated with, quote, smart people, end quote. Like, you know, playing chess, uh, being able to do math in your head quickly. Like, you know, right. these are arbitrary things.
1: Yeah, and like, it's not, a lot of the time the things that make you come off as smart are not even important to you actually solving problems that aren't, you know, directly related to that. Yeah. Like, being able to do math in your head doesn't make you a better mathematician. No. It just means you're better when you don't have, like, with your hands tied behind your back.
0: Yeah, and like, you know, there are a number of famous mathematicians who, like, you know, they'll write, like, I don't know, 14 over 7 on a white, on a blackboard while they're talking about something and, like, not reduce it because, you know, A, they, it doesn't matter to them, and B, like, when, you know, if you're a career mathematician, your job is not, like, doing division problems. Right. Y- your job is, like, oh, Fermat, Fermat's last theorem, uh, rings. Gawa. Right.
1: Yeah, let's make up some new shit about uh about Infinite Series. That yeah. sounds like fun. <laughs> we'll make something up and then uh, make up the math to make it work.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much.
1: So, Lena is trying to convince Artie that uh, the warehouse needs people like Claudia. And uh, Artie's like, people like her, brash, rude antisocial, impulsive, and Lena just goes for the epic burn and just says, uh, we're talking about Claudia, not you.
0: Ooh, got him.
1: <laughs> got him.
0: Get dunked on.
1: So, Artie is clearly bothered by this, but uh, we go back to, they're now moving the uh, the sculpture mm. in the back of a box truck and Pete has to ride in the back with it because he insisted upon it.
0: Yeah, Badgie said so.
2: Right. And uh, I noted that the driver
1: is uh, probably driving pretty normally for New York City. Yeah. But like, when you're standing in the back of a box truck and you can't see what's going on behind, like, around you, it's very hard to like even stand up. Yeah. Which is why Pete is being thrown all around.
0: Yeah, and that that did seem like a pretty aggressive stop for, like, you know, there's no one else around. You had all the space yeah. in the world to stop, but Pete also says something pretty shitty here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he decided to call the, uh, Lenape Native American fellow Chief Leadfoot.
0: What the fuck, Pete? Like, you could just say, like, hey, he's on the brakes or whatever.
1: Right, yeah. Yeah, but instead, uh. Instead, he pulls out the, uh. The, the weird racial of. version of saying yeah. the same thing.
0: Yeah. And nobody calls Pete on this. Right, yeah. Though uh, he does, um. He does get thrown out of a moving van, so.
1: Right, he gets. Um, unimaginably owned by the dude in the uh deerskin uh robe thing by getting thrown through the solid wall of the uh moving truck and he just sort of phases through but apparently that's a really uncomfortable thing to happen if you're a living person and not wearing the robe
0: yeah i wouldn't want to get thrown out of a moving vehicle it sounds like it sucks
1: Right, but he also said that it felt like getting all of his atoms rearranged.
0: Oh, yeah. Getting forcibly which, uh, phased through something.
1: Right, which, I mean, I don't know how you would be able to, like, come up with that sort of analogy, even though I guess it's just literally what happened in this case. Yeah. Like, what does that feel like,
2: Pete?
0: yeah. How would you know this tastes like ass if you haven't eaten ass? Mm? Right.
2: <laughs> Have you eaten shit, Pete? Ah.
1: So yeah, uh, Pete passed out for long enough that they just transported him to the hospital.
2: Yeah. And like, our, he our mystery, was out
1: cold.
0: Yeah, and our mystery uh, our mystery man drove off with the truck and the stuff. The thing.
1: Oh yeah, they tossed... Uh, they tossed... Uh our driver friend out and just drove off in their truck.
0: Oh, I thought the driver like got out to check on, on the, like, cause like Pete gets thrown oh, yeah. out. And he's like, Hey, stop.
2: You yeah. Know,
0: him and Mike could get out to like check on him and check on the thing. And then he's trying to open the, uh, open the back of the truck when it drives away.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, the truck just sort of drives away. Oh no, we've lost the other sculpture. So, there are two more that are unaccounted for, although it's probably pretty safe to say that our Donald Trump Mm stand-in has them.
2: That's the conclusion that they come to. That's a reasonable conclusion. And, uh...
1: So, yeah, they... Pete is talking with Micah at the hospital, and, uh, they see a person who we've been referring to as the rich dude. His name is Jeff and his, uh, he's referred to as pretty boy from here on out pretty much <laughs> by Pete specifically, because at this point now Micah is uh hitting on victims of art theft. Yeah, it's like, and like Is an- there some sort of rule that they can't hit on uh, civilians unless they've already been the victim of a crime? <laughs> like, <laughs> that seems like the opposite of how you'd want that to work if yeah. you were uh, trying to run a detective sort of agency.
0: Yeah. Like, if you're trying to sniff out the crime, it seems like the only people who are off-limits are the ones who are trusting you to help them with this crime situation.
1: Right. Yeah, it would be really good if you had the professional restraint to not just try to sleep with anyone that you're dealing with professionally. Yeah.
0: Though the but interesting... instead
1: it seems they do the opposite. Yeah.
0: And the interesting thing here is it seems like Pete like initiates this. Like Right. He like Mike he's Micah, pushing
1: like, Micah to do it.
0: Yeah, 'cause he's he opens with like, what? you know, he's he's attractive, he's rich, he's whatever. you know. Right. What a, you know? What a catch!
1: Yeah, and Micah lets slip that uh, Jeff invited her to dinner in the cafeteria of the hospital, mm-hmm.
2: and Pete encourages her to go
0: to pump him for information.
2: Right. Yeah. Uh, but
1: Pete. Immediately after, Micah and Jeff go down to a very romantic dinner in the hospital cafeteria in the middle of the night. Which they actually, like, lowered the lights and set out candles because <laughs> the dude owns the hospital. So he <laughs> he lets them know, and they uh, they rolled out the red carpet.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm dating another lady whose uh, partner's laid up. Right. <laughs> Cuz uh, he he did get Pete the the full point inspection.
2: Right. Yeah,
1: he he uh did it for free.
0: Give
2: this guy to him... weeks.
1: Yeah. And uh so Pete immediately just like rips out all of the uh all of the tubes in him and whatever and goes RD back to work
0: and tells him. Yeah. Hey, you know, re- recover later. I need you to, you know. And, like, Pete is fine?
1: Right, yeah, clearly he's just fine. Like, he was just being a big baby, apparently.
0: Like, he, he, either he already mentions, like, having to take tubes out of him. Like, he's hooked up to an IV. Right. He doesn't need that? I'm no doctor, but, like.
1: I mean. I don't know why he'd need an IV for getting thrown through a wall anyway. Yeah, like, like he wasn't
0: bleeding or anything. He could eat right, fine. Right, he didn't
1: get dehydrated.
0: Yeah. Like, he can eat just fine, like...
1: Pete goes snooping around at his place while he's distracted with, uh, Micah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, manages to find a secret room that is not at all conspicuous. There's, like, a sort of, like, two-pronged sculpture sitting in a inset into the wall, not, like, on a shelf like you would normally do, like, cut into the wall. And he just sort of grasps it and turns it 90 degrees, and it's the door handle to a secret door. Of course. And then he discovers all of these various... uh, Lenape treasures that presumably were stolen by, uh, Jeff's dad.
0: And, uh, he calls Micah, who put, who then arrests Pete, or uh, arrests Jeff.
1: Right. Yeah, and she tells Jeff that they need to go back to his place, but while pointing a gun at him. And he says... Usually I uh I like it when a woman says that to me.
0: Real smooth, Jeff.
1: Yeah. They discover that uh according to Lenape mythology the spirit of rock gives things solidity and so that's what the whole buckskin uh robe thing is messing with. Mm-hmm. It's like Influencing the solidity of objects Yeah, sure Yeah, I mean, okay
0: That's that's as reasonable as anything else
1: Also, I I noted here That that's like an extremely artistic creation myth Like Rock didn't create the land you stand on It gave that land Like, its solidity Mm Mm-hmm the things were there they just didn't interact with each other yeah. before
0: that yeah they had to uh you know had to give it some collision physics
1: right yeah they they had to turn off no clip
0: yeah yeah used to be terrible people were clipping through the land all the time
1: right good for getting around quick but like it's pretty easy to get lost mm-hmm. like just in the ground
0: it was some big rigs over the road racing shit going on
1: oh yeah oh yeah uh when Jeff and Micah were at dinner he gave her the whole life story woe is me my dad was a crook you're a billionaire every billionaire's dad was a crook yeah that's how you become a billionaire
0: and like he says something like oh you know I invest i make interest i try to do something good with it
1: right yeah i accrue interest yeah
0: so like you're doing the same shit your dad did you're just being a a philanthropist right so like you're because you're you're a bill gates sort of situation
1: yeah there's there's this sort of capitalist myth that like people who do well give away enough to offset the harm they cause yeah but like it's you can't even measure the harm that you cause in order to amass millions or billions of dollars like it's just there's no sensible way to talk about it
0: yeah and philanthropy is not like i'm i guess it's fine but like we shouldn't have or need philanthropists like if you have i mean it's if you have the kind of deep pockets that mean you can, like, get, you know, buildings and shit named after you, you should be taxed for bud. Come on.
1: Right. Like, I live in the sort of area where, you know, every, every couple of towns has a library that was built by Carnegie. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm close enough to Pittsburgh that that's just true everywhere. Because mm-hmm. he built libraries everywhere. Because he made so much goddamn money. Yeah. That it was not even him being generous. It was him deciding that libraries would help him get higher quality workers.
0: Plus, he lived in, (laughs) like, like, Gospel of Wealth time. when, Like, oh, if I don't give away some of my money, I'll go to hell when I die sort of situation.
1: Right. Except uh, giving away his money directly to people who work for him, say, in the steel mills in Pittsburgh he's not so big on that. He might, uh, hire some Pinkertons to float on a barge on up the Ohio river and get driven off in Homestead. Yep. (laughs) Like that, uh, that's very definitely a thing that actually happened. Like they, they tried to land a barge full of Pinkertons with rifles and the city never let them do it. Like they were just stuck on this barge for, uh, For 30 days? Christ. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was good. It was very good. Yeah. Yeah. Labor actions used to be really something.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, Love unions. Wish to be part of one someday.
1: Like, it's hard to imagine. Like, when you think about strikes these days and compare it to they literally were like firing on them with a cannon from the hillside yep like and not to not to hit them just to scare the shit out of them they used to like
0: like when the <laughs> railroad railroad workers went on strike they brought in the fucking federal troops right like richard yeah. nixon would like this is, no it's not nixon but like they would call the fucking like federal troops to come and like make you go back to work
1: Yeah, Nixon was the one that fired all the air traffic controllers when they went on strike. There you go. Yeah. Uh, You know, uh, all those government jobs that used to have strong unions, even they were uh, susceptible to a conservative administration that didn't really give a shit. Yep. Like, and now under Janus, I don't know that we'll ever uh, see public sector unions have any sort of strength yep Sorry. oh boy but back to where we were uh <laughs> when we got sidetracked by talking about the immoral nature of amassing large sums of money
0: uh, I live in fucking Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation land, yeah, and it'll do a shit like you know oh, yeah, we gave a bunch of money to these schools. Now they can buy computers or whatever. And it's, oh, so you get to... Because, you know, you made a bunch of money doing computer shits, now you can, like... You get to influence educational policy for generations to come. That's... Right,
1: yeah, because it's always self-serving one way or another. Yep. Like, I mean... Even if what you're doing is purely a good thing It's still self-serving to do it Because, you know, the benefits come around to you In some sort of way
0: Yeah, I mean, like, remember when uh, Remember when everyone fucking hated Bill Gates? Remember when people spent, like, the entire 90s hating him? Yeah And now he's, he's Mr. Saint, everyone loves him He's that, he's Mr. Charityman
1: Right. And like, I mean, I'm not going to spend too much time saying that philanthropy is bad because there are rich people in the world and them spending their money uh, to help people less fortunate is just like universally a good thing. The problem is that they ever had this money in the first place. Yeah, like
0: there shouldn't be a need for philanthropy.
1: Right, there shouldn't be a structure that allows this level of income inequality that makes it so that a person can just give away hundreds of millions of dollars and not even notice.
0: Like, yeah, Yeah, sure, you know, I'll, I'll buy a school some computers, why not? You know, they'll name a wing after me or whatever.
1: Right. Yeah, it's not a... That's not, like, that's not a society that's structured in a healthy way.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Like, we can talk a lot about, you know, what we think works and doesn't work with structuring a society, but it's very clear that our particular brand of liberalism right now is just not working.
0: Yep. It's so fucking not working.
1: And, like... It's only getting worse. Yep. I don't know. I've I've been having a rough time lately. It's hard to uh, think positive about anything. I went outside the other day, and the weather was just the right temperature. The skies were clear and blue. And all I could think about was, oh, how nice. There's not a uh, thick layer of ash in the upper atmosphere.
0: Yep oh and that's
1: coming back
0: i can breathe outside for a little bit that's pleasant
1: see that's the nice thing in ohio you can breathe the air just fine but the entire sky was gray with ash for like four days straight Mm -hmm. and it's going to be back soon too Mm. there was like a three-day break where we weren't in the uh in the air currents to carry the ash from the California wildfires, mm-hmm. but we're gonna be back to gray skies. <laughs> like I know, obviously, it's a whole lot worse out on that side of the country where you're mm-hmm. experiencing uh, really bad uh, particulates in the air.
0: Yeah, and it. Uh,
1: breathing advisories.
0: Yeah, it it rained, which was lovely. It cooled it down. It you know got a lot of the ash out of the air, but. It's probably not going to last forever.
1: Right. Although, isn't it supposed to? It's the Pacific Northwest. Isn't it almost fall?
0: Yeah. It's
1: supposed to rain all winter, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, Seattle, like, gets a reputation for being rainy. But since I've been here, I haven't experienced all that much rain. Okay. Who fucking knows?
1: Yeah, I mean...
0: It's Climate or... change, baby!
1: Yep. <laughs> Welcome to Warehouse 69, our podcast about how the world is falling apart.
0: But in the meantime, we can talk about Okay, so we're we're at Jeff's secret room, right? And he's being badgered by Pete, Mike, and Artie.
1: Yeah, I forgot to say that Pete, upon entering the secret room, uh just exclaims Bingo Mania. <laughs>
0: I forgot that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's very good.
0: He's not even talking to anyone. He's just...
1: Right. He's alone, standing in this room, and just announces bingo mania because he's discovered a room full of Lenape artifacts.
0: Like, bingo would have been a a reasonable thing to say, Pete.
1: Right. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, yeah. I also noted when Micah pulled the gun and uh, told uh, Jeff they have to go back to his place, I noted, Micah with the gun again? Bad first date, in my opinion. (laughs) Uh. Oh, and she was really mad about him lying. Because, you know, cop stuff.
0: Yeah. Which, I mean... The
1: the worst I, crime is lying to a cop. Yeah,
0: like, don't get me wrong. I would also hate to be lied to on a first date, but, like, cops are so fucking mad about people lying to them, it's A, illegal, and B, they will trick you into lying to them so they can be mad at you about it.
1: Right. Yeah, so that then they can threaten you further.
0: Yep. Classic FBI shit. Like, raid your house at 3 in the morning, you know, stuff you into a truck, into a car, into an SUV or whatever, ask you questions about things they already know the answer to, and when you don't give them the right answer, boom, you know, lying to the FBI, go to jail. They don't have to prove you did anything else.
1: I used to read this one, uh, this one music review site, and they leaked, uh, Chinese Democracy, and then, like, at one point, At one point, I logged in, and there's a photo on their front page of dudes with assault weapons from the FBI showing up to arrest one of the writers for this uh,
0: website. Because he (laughs) did what? He wrote about?
1: He leaked a copy of uh, Chinese Democracy by Guns N' Roses. Oh, right. An album that was in development hell for over ten years. Oh. <laughs>
0: and the FBI showed up for like intellectual property reasons, or.
1: Oh yeah. Ah. Uh, yep, they uh, they showed up to literally throw him in jail. What the fuck? For sharing music illegally, <laughs> <laughs>
2: like.
0: <laughs> what year is it? Jeezy Pete.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was uh that was really something.
2: Uh-huh. And
1: like that's just how this country works. Yep. <laughs> okay, this uh this has been a really dark episode of Warehouse 69. I can't promise that any of the future episodes won't be. We're living in really dark times.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Part of it is like this episode has like it really leans in on the Pete is a cop situation.
1: It's really got it all. Cause like, it's a, got
0: because a lot of the time it's you know it's detective stuff, right? Like we get to see him solving a mystery, and that's that's fine, that's fun, right? But this episode specifically has a lot of like Pete and to a lesser extent Micah like really flexing their I'm a cop muscles.
1: Right. Yeah. A lot of the story is told through the lens of them shaking people down for information, which isn't something we see in a lot of episodes. Mm-hmm. Like they'll question people, but they're generally questioning people that they assume have good intention mm-hmm. uh where in this case the the people they question are all billionaires with no uh moral compass, mm-hmm. and surprisingly, they don't assume any sort of good intention out of them,
0: which you know correct, like one of the first things we I forget who says it, but, like, they make it very clear that, like... Yeah, these are billionaires. They're not good people.
1: Right. The the show really has it all. It's got cops, billionaires, uh... Cultural artifacts being stolen. Yeah.
0: Pete being, (sighs) like, weirdly racist.
1: Right. Yeah, that's, uh... It's really... I mean it's sad that these sorts of things are timeless Mm -hmm. like we still have things to talk about today that directly relate to this episode just because of how basic these archetypes are (laughs) and how you know we haven't done anything to escape any of these situations (sighs)
2: so
1: yeah dark episode this week Mm -hmm.
0: Next week, I think it's somewhat better. I kind of, I don't remember the episode all that well.
1: Oh, yeah. I just, uh, I just watched it because I was, uh, I do try to watch the episode so that I kind of know what's coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it?
0: Oh, no, it's Oops. the one with the, the zappy daps.
1: Oh, it's the one with the, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which, interesting, but yeah, it's that's the really propaganda one, though. Oh,
0: yeah, fuck! I will say <laughs> like, by... that's
1: the one with some real. Uh, okay. There's some real zingers to that yeah. one. Yeah,
0: at least well, I won't. The opinions will happen next week. I haven't seen that Right? Yeah, we, we'll have plenty
1: to... of time to talk about it.
0: Yeah. Ah. Uh...
1: Yeah, but there's there's certainly something to talk about on how that episode goes.
2: <sighs>
1: so, yeah, they've worked out that the uh, the sculptures make a map when you put it in front of the sun, and our Donald Trump stand-in has done just that. And it projected a map of the, uh, I guess it's not New York City at that point because it's across the river,
2: Mm.
1: or it's across the bay. Because it's, uh, I don't know my geography near there uh, all that well. But I feel like it must have been on the western bank of the Hudson. I think
0: something like that. I don't like geography tends to roll right off my brain, especially since like I've never been to New York. Right. I don't know all the yeah. locations New York people expect me to know. Ah, 42nd street, best daily in the world or whatever.
1: See, the nice part about that is that 42nd street is between 41st and 43rd. <laughs>
0: It's also where the U.N. is, which I realize kind of contradicts my claim of I don't know where anything is in New York.
1: Right. But OK, so
0: that's because I heard the Animaniac song about the U.N. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay, so it's on the western bank of the East River. Mm -hmm. It looks like it was a little north of Tompkins Square Park. That Uh, sounds familiar. yeah there there's a restaurant called Esperanto here
0: yeah do they speak Esperanto there?
1: I really doubt it. I don't think anyone speaks Esperanto really
0: well oh, it's it's like <laughs> the most popular conlang, which admittedly doesn't say much right yeah,
1: yeah I was gonna say like yeah i I think conlangs are really cool, but like they're not I will never call them particularly useful. No,
0: And there are, you know, according to Wikipedia, there are about 2 million people who call themselves Esperanto speakers, plus 1 to 2,000 native speakers, which...
1: 1 to 2,000 native speakers? Yeah, people who
0: learned it from birth.
1: I really need to talk to these people's parents.
0: Yeah, so... Like... Which, don't get me wrong, that's like a lot of fucking people for a conlang.
1: Right. It's huge.
0: Yeah. Like that's that's wildly successful for conlang but it also means like that's really not a lot of people if your goal is to be an international auxiliary language.
1: Right, yeah. Yeah, and that's ultimately what all of these conlangs say they ought to be.
0: Not not all of them, but a lot of yeah, them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's not all of them, but I know that Lajban has gone through the same sort of we should be the international language because our algorithm is non uh non-political it removes the political elements of selecting a uh, ling- lingua franca yeah. franca yeah i yeah. i
0: watched the entire backlog of conlang critic this youtube series okay which is really good but it also means you say things like oh this this has a really bad vowel inventory for an international auxiliary language
1: right yeah they, uh, I know Lajban, their whole deal was they wrote an algorithm to try and pull cognates from, uh, all of the most popular languages in the world by the number of speakers they have. So, like.
0: Which you might recognize is pretty, like, inherently biased. Hmm.
1: Yeah, but it's. Yeah, it's biased a, in a, a sort of democratic way. Yeah, that's a like, reasonable thing to do
0: if you want people to learn your language.
1: Yeah, it's heavily Chinese like Mandarin uh and Hindi influenced mm-hmm. because of the massive number of speakers they have. Yeah. But like if anything it underrepresents English mm-hmm. because English is so commonly known but as a second language. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, so it's interesting, but, like, the idea that a computer algorithm is the uh, path to get, you know, something free of cultural bias is uh hmm. pretty questionable from what we've seen yeah. out of any algorithm ever.
0: Yeah, where have I heard that one before? <laughs> right, yeah. And also, <laughs> okay. the Lojban folks will tell you, oh, well, like, if you speak in Lojban, like, it's mathematically proven to be unambiguous. But the way they also, do this is, like... You know, you have pronouns for, like, conversational register one.
1: Right. Yeah, it's a language that you can manage to never have any ambiguity if you yeah. don't want it in your language.
0: Yeah, which, sure, that's a that's a useful cool. property for an oxling to have, I suppose.
1: I mean, I think it's really interesting, especially for the future, because it has some really interesting implications for, like, speech synthesis from computers and speech recognition with computers. But, like, it would require people to actually speak it.
0: <laughs> yep. Other- it's, I love
1: the sort of raging against the machine that everyone who does conlanging has to do, where they accept that, like, all of the precepts of what they say their language is good for relies on this chicken egg problem where you need a shitload of speakers before any of it goes from theoretical to practical
2: yeah
0: like the only one and watching this conlin critic series the only one that really succeeded at being a a, go that was it it was for a bunch of these kind of you know balkan languages i guess it would be these kind of you know i don't want to say russian-ish but you know that part of the world
1: Right, uh...
0: In- Inter-Slavic. That's what it was. Okay, yeah. But, like, one of the few, like... It is technically an international auxiliary language, it's Inter-Slavic, and there's a, n- a, bun- a number of Khanish languages called Inter-Slavic, but, you know, the the source languages are similar enough that, like, you can actually, like, construct something where, like, someone who speaks one of the source languages can figure out what you're saying.
1: So it's essentially like a standardized uh, sort of pidgin or creole.
0: Yeah, except more, um, you know, I was reading the comments for this and a lot of it was like, you know, some people like could not tell that this was written in inter-Slavic and not their native language.
1: Okay, yeah. Because, I mean,
0: you know, a lot of these languages are fairly similar. They evolved in a, you know, pretty close to each other from similar. Right,
1: and there aren't like the strong geographic boundaries there yeah like the lines are pretty arbitrary out there
0: yeah and so it's a an international in the sense of between more than one nation not necessarily the entire world
1: right like that's uh that's one of the things that's really fascinating like uh someone posted about uh nebi being used only in like one particular area in uh the north of england i i think and uh pittsburgh pennsylvania (laughs) like it's a really specific thing for that term to do but that's just what pittsburgh is because it was historically really hard to get to pittsburgh so like the language could just do what it wanted So it's accepted all of these really strange and specific vocabulary terms that, like, don't exist anywhere else in the world.
0: Linguistics is fascinating. It makes me wish I was ever successful at learning a second language.
1: Yeah, that's that's one of those things. I find languages really interesting, but I've never had much success in developing any sort of, like, ability to understand them
2: mm-hmm.
0: like i you know i had to take spanish just about every year of school from uh first grade up until like sophomore or junior year of high school or whatever and it i did not learn much
1: oh wow uh that's kind of wild because like i didn't take languages until middle school like we didn't touch foreign languages until I was in 7th grade. Yeah. So yeah, uh we should probably get back around to the episode.
0: Yeah, we're, oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh
1: there is a there is an episode of uh, Warehouse 13 on the television. Oh, yes, yes. We've had it paused for the past uh 15 minutes or so, but we're coming back to it. We're hitting play.
0: Ah. Uh, and uh before what th- what we were talking about, there's a scene where evil rich guy, more evil rich guy Mr. Trump, is like, he's wearing the the coat, he takes uh, the bracelet with the secret key from uh, from our friend, and then like, tell me what it means! You know, and he keeps right. saying, I don't know, until eventually, he phases the guy through the wall and drops him.
1: Yeah, just like, drops him out of a skyscraper. And says,
0: I guess you didn't know. To, again, no right. one in particular.
1: Yeah, it was one of those things, like, he murdered the dude on camera, but it was shot in such a way to, like, make it so that the censors wouldn't care.
0: Yeah, and then this, this old man, like, delivers this one-liner to nobody. Right. And don't get me wrong, like, I talk to myself. I will, like, I will, like, try a door and, like, do the adventure game protagonist. It's locked. Or, like, I will think, <laughs> I, I can't use these things together to myself. But it's, and it's weird to see this this guy do it.
1: Right. And so they're trying to work out where the cave is. And uh, Artie and Claudia are trying to help Pete and Micah and Jeff, who's very cooperative with them after they worked out, that his plan was to steal back all of these native artifacts to give to the Lenape tribe, like all at once,
0: like was that, he going to give the sculptures back or the the artifacts in the secret cave?
1: So, I think his goal was just to keep anyone from finding the secret cave yeah. because he felt it was sacred to the Lenape and only belonged to them. Yeah. So, like, it is absolutely keeping... not our,
0: our evil friend.
1: Right. And like the guy who made the sculptures, he was lo- not Lenape yeah. in the story. He's a fictional guy, but like Yeah, like his He was just wife. some dude who was treasure hunting.
0: Yeah, like like his what the sculptor was like his wife was Lenape or something, right? Right. Cuz the you know the guy, you know, the guy, the Lenape guy whose name I keep forgetting, like the sculptor was his uncle, right?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, his name was LaCelle, by the go. way. I always felt that, like, the sensible thing with these sculptures would be to just smash them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, because if you smash just one of them, the map thing doesn't work.
0: Well, but our...
1: Although I don't think that's totally true. Yeah,
0: like, our friend, like, evil guy, like, I gotta keep, stop saying our friend when I can't remember someone's name, but e- right. evil, rich, evil guy, like, he does, in fact, like break one of the statues, but just the part that puts a dot on the map.
1: Right, but the dot was the X that marks the spot, yeah. so it made it so that they're co- really cool sculptures that make a map of New York City.
0: <laughs> yeah, which don't get me wrong is also cool, but I, right, I get that it would make. But your- it
1: doesn't tell you how to find uh, how to find a restaurant. In, on the, uh, shore of the East River. Yeah. <laughs> so, while he's, you know, aligning the sculptures and finding the X marks the spot thing, uh, Artie is trying to find some way to find the, uh, location of this secret cave himself. And what he knows is that New York City is very heavily developed. And it has to be somewhere where people haven't dug yet. So, someplace without subway lines or whatever running near it. But that's not enough to go on. But Claudia busts in and asks if, uh, Have you compared the intersection of magnetic ley lines of course. And they roll down a map of these magnetic ley lines. It's
0: just this part of New York.
1: Right. Yeah, like it's New York City's ley lines, which is bizarre to me because like I mean, within the a universe where there is a warehouse full of crazy artifacts like this, the idea of ley lines isn't that fringe. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's absolutely not a thing. Yeah. Like, it It doesn't describe anything meaningful. People who are skeptical of it basically have to say that, uh... Well, this originated in England, and it was some guy who decided, since you can draw a line that cuts through or really close to a bunch of different important things... uh clearly these lines mean something the problem is you can draw any line arbitrarily and find important things on it when you live on an island
0: yeah like yeah i'm looking at the wikipedia page now and like blah 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 it was later endorsed by various nazis right yeah and then it goes on (laughs) to blah 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 it's a pseudoscience blah blah it's nonsense
1: right and like i mean within the world of Warehouse 13, I don't see any reason why you can't believe that secret Nazi science might have actually had some sort of weird meaning. But still, why do you have a map of New York?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like, of just... That's the thing, right? They have this, like, nice printed map of, like, the magnetic ley lines in just this part of New York.
1: Right. It's like... Like, if they had... A map that was the, you know, geographic survey of New York, mm-hmm. which is silly at this point because they've built buildings that are way more important geographically than the lay Man. of the land. But, like, at least that would make sense because there's an agency that makes those.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, you can ask for a uh, yeah. an elevation map of anywhere in the country.
0: Yeah, like, if you're, like, if. It, it would be reasonable for Warehouse 13 to just have, like, you know, a bunch of, you know, USGS survey maps. Like, right. that's a reasonable thing for you to have. But what the, right. what's this ley line map?
1: Right, because literally the only way you come up with ley lines is you pick things that you think are culturally important and you draw lines connecting them. And extend them to see if you can find any more culturally important stuff. Yeah,
0: like, I'm, I'm looking at the Wikipedia article now, and it's like, eight-point ley line arrangements of pizza restaurants in London, or... Right. Oh, oh, there's a bunch of telephone poles on this, this, uh, payphones on this line. This is a telephone, this is a payphone ley line. Like, it doesn't mean anything. Like, you're, there's so many fucking, like, historically significant sites in in Britain that yeah any line you draw is going to hit a bunch of them
1: <sighs> so have you heard of the uh, the survey uh, site things in the UK uh, oh, that's not even working survey uh, site things they're the whole country is covered in these like uh surveying like bullards like just posts in the ground.
0: Yeah, survey markers.
1: Yeah. They're everywhere over there. Like they did a very extensive and accurate survey of the entire uh country. Yeah. And like they just sort of left it all there in case they ever needed to do it again. Yeah. But the technology has advanced to the point where you don't actually need that anymore. Mm-hmm. But, like, there are people who are interested in in these things and, like, try and see as many of them as possible. Mm-hmm. And, like, they have a running list of all of the ones that have gone missing.
0: Oh, fuck. Survey crime.
1: Right. I don't know. I always thought those were pretty neat because, like, they just hired people to go put polls in very specific places all over the country.
0: Hell, we do that here. Like, hell, we, uh, like, we hired, when it came time to, like, demarcate the U.S. and Canadian border, like, they hired folks to, like, okay, we want you to walk the, you know, 54th parallel or whatever. Yeah. Like, here's a ball of twine, here's a bunch of posts, go. By the way, it's like the, it's, you know, it's the 1800s. Right or the seventeen, I I don't know when the treaty was signed, and and then yeah. after they did that, like they went through and like cut a tree lo- like cut down all the trees on that line, and that's where the border is.
1: Right, and this is why dudes like Reticus from the last episode were so important. They built the sort of equipment you would use to uh, do this sort of work.
0: Yeah, and like it's really cool and impressive how close they got, like with no satellite photography just like yeah basically walking across the country
1: oh yeah so it's the great britain historical gis which they've been using to track the changes in the uh in the lay of the land over time
0: reasonable you do the same sort of thing or over maybe here. it's not
1: because this says it's pretty recent
0: yeah, like, because GIS is a pretty specific term for geographic information systems. Right. And, you know, we have the USGS over here. They just leave fewer survey markers lying around.
1: Okay, and there's something about the 1801 census that's not what I'm after. Okay, I give up. All right. uh.
0: Anyways, uh, leyline knower. We come across Mr. Evilman, like, blowing getting his guys to blow him into this cave with all the good stuff in it. Right.
1: Because he's just been digging to see if he could find it just by brute force. Yeah. Because he has that much money that... I mean, if you build a building, it doesn't really matter if you were digging around in the basement to find out if there was anything cool down there. Yeah,
2: and, you know, he's
0: got a... Because
1: you still built a building.
0: Yeah, and, like, he'll still, like, get rent and shit off that building. Like, he's gonna make money. Right.
1: Yeah, so... But he has an active construction site, like right where the uh, cave actually is, Mm. which I suppose if his tactic was to dig where there were not subway lines and other disturbances, that would be pretty reasonable. Yeah,
0: because he has access to the same information. Like he also knows like, well, it can't be somewhere they've already dug for utility lines or whatever.
1: Right. Who knows? Maybe he also knew
0: about ley lines.
1: Yeah, maybe he did. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean if if it's weird Nazi science, uh the billionaires in New York probably at least know something about yeah. it. Uh so yeah, the Pete and Micah are tra- are heading to this location and he's blasted nearly into it, but he told his guys that we have to make sure we don't damage anything in there. So just get me close and point me at it. Mm -hmm. And he goes down in the hole with like his foreman and he puts on the, uh, the cloak and walks through the stone and his foreman just like freaks out and climbs up the ladder.
0: Yeah. Like why would you, why would you do your magic thing in front of a guy? You know?
1: Right. Yeah. Like, Hey, look over there. (laughs)
0: Like, it takes a
1: second for you to fall through the wall.
0: Yeah, like, he's already leaving. Like, you can just, like, wait another couple seconds.
1: Yeah, but he did not care at all because he got what he finally had been searching for. Yeah, he's got
0: to get in here. He's got to drink the water of eternal life. He's got to grab that stick and that rock.
1: Yeah. It's cool. uh, He grabs the rock and starts turning into uh, The the thing. Yeah. Uh, then he's holding uh, this piece of coal and he's turning into the human torch, but different from uh, the way Dr. Italy did.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he survives this one for now.
1: Right. Well, apparently that's the whole reason he didn't survive, is because he was still going through the transformation because he's becoming this super being like he's going to become a pillar man or something and you know be unkillable or whatever he's going super sad right and he as he's absorbing the last element uh pete just sort of does the dumb guy thing And runs up with the arrow that he held earlier and stabs him in the chest with it. Yeah. And he explodes into a pillar of light. Yeah,
0: like, Pete, there is no fucking way you would have known this would work.
1: Right. He just did it. He only could do it like how cartoon characters can run across uh, huge uh, chasms. Like, if you don't know that it's not going to work, you cannot be stopped.
0: Like, yeah, like, this guy is, he's going super sad, but, like, he absolutely did not expect anyone to stab him with this magic arrow, because why would you think to do that? How would, how would you have any idea that would work?
1: Right, yeah, Pete was just like, hey, I'm, I'm gonna do this because there's an arrow here, and I'm gonna stab him in the chest with it. Like, why not? I mean, he had a gun. I don't know why Pete didn't just use the gun. <laughs> like, I don't think it was the magical properties of the arrow that made this work. Because he had, like, already absorbed the power to control the weather from the arrow.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: He had already absorbed eternal life from the water.
2: Yeah.
0: Like, like
1: the only reason he didn't succeed... Is because Pete interrupted the transformation. Yeah.
0: Also, like did they leave the Tesla at home or something?
1: Right. Like strike him with lightning. The the Tesla's uh lightning machine. Yeah. You've like, got
0: your fucking like amnesia gun, but no, you had to stab this guy with an arrow and make him explode.
1: Right. <laughs> and there's just like nothing left of this dude. He's,
0: he is so he's fucking gone. dead.
1: <laughs> he turned into a pillar of light and is just gone.
0: Uh, he's he's a, he's among the stars now. So Ah. Uh, and that that's about Claudia. the end of the episode, right? Usually we see him oh. like taking the stuff back, it, but they don't do that here.
1: It is about the end of the episode. However, we do get one last scene at the warehouse where uh, Claudia is starting a new game of chess with Artie and uh, there's some back and forth about uh, her needing a challenge or whatever and...
0: Oh yeah, she comes back from Vegas with a bunch of money.
1: Right, she comes back from counting cards in Vegas.
0: And then, you know, Artie's like, where'd you like to go to college? Ah, I don't want to write term papers and go to frat parties. Right. I need a challenge. I've
1: I've been in the interdimensional space that my brother was trapped in. Like, why would I go to college? (laughs) Yeah, so she, uh, she just sort of challenges Artie to a game of chess. And now she's got a job at the warehouse because she can't be fired because uh, Artie needs to finish his game.
0: (laughs) That's the episode, baby. Yep. Truly it was. A warehouse 13.
1: Yep. Uh, If anyone with comments, suggestions, if you want to be a guest on the show, maybe, uh, can feel free to contact us at uh warehouse 69 at tuta.io that's t u t a.io there're no traps in the system I'm
2: mounted to them they're trapping the big trap